Are you ready to energize your life? Then join Dr. Dell each week as he shares simple strategies to help fuel your life and work with purpose, passion, and play. Tired of sacrificing your health, family time, and quality of life just to meet the never-ending demands on your time? Dr. Dell's Energize Your Life podcast will share simple everyday strategies to help you focus on what matters most so you can energize your life. And now your host of the Energize Your Life podcast, Dr. Dell Miller. All right, everybody. So my guest today is none other than the fabulous Terry Cole. She's a psychotherapist, uh, strategist, coach, and expert at turning fear into freedom. So I am really happy to talk to uh, Terry today, and we're going to have some fun. Terry, how are you? I am so excited to be here on the maiden voyage of your show. I am honored. It is my pleasure to have you. And uh, I have you on today because, uh, you know, I love the work that you're doing. And today I figure what we'll talk about is uh, the real love revolution and mm-hmm. how that can help the, those who are listening to energize their relationships because relationships... Uh, Energized relationships and functional, happy relationships are an important part of an energized life. So that's what I want to talk with you about. But before we get to that, Terry, what I really want to start with is I know that you made a dramatic transition in your work a number of years ago. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little more about that? I sure can. And it was a lot of number of years ago. But yes, I was a talent agent in New York and LA. I was actually running a talent agency and I was negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities like endorsement type deals. Mm -hmm. And I sort of kept looking for this particular feeling and I was chasing something. And really, I just thought I was ambitious and I loved what I was doing. It was really fun until I didn't and it wasn't. And every time I got to the next level of whatever it was going to be, I kept thinking I would find that feeling of satisfaction of mm, something solid, like, yes, this is what I should be doing. And then when I was in my early 30s and I was running a bi-coastal talent agency and making a lot of money and having all of the fancy perks, and I have quotes around those perks because, you know, depends on what you think of them. I just, there was no more denying that I really just needed to pivot regardless of what other people thought. And it certainly gave me pause because, of course, the external um, perception of, you know, representing supermodels and being invited to everywhere for free and all of the things that go, you know, that go along the perks or the privilege that go along with that crazy hotbed of mental health called entertainment. um, It's people didn't understand, like you have a perfectly amazing career. It's so sexy and this and that. And the truth was, I just reached that point in my own life, which was my I was more in my early 30s when I just left this job and I went back to school. I applied to one grad school. I went to I applied to NYU and I was like, well, if I don't get in there because it's the only place I want to go, I guess maybe this isn't my destiny. We'll see. Luckily. So um, let me let me ask you this. Uh, What mm -hmm. brought you to that moment of is this all there is? Is there Mm -hmm. something more meaningful for me to do with my life? Well, it's a great question, of course, but there was a parallel process going on in my own life. And so I had found, I stopped drinking when I was 21. I had found therapy when I was 19. I really got on the um, self-help 
like really sort of doing it myself and with the help of a therapist, but mm. I really got into um, understanding myself and right. becoming an expert on myself. And the more I knew myself, the less this shiny, sexy world, misogynistic, skinny women, like all of these things, this this expectation that women should look a particular way that is completely yeah. unrealistic, like all of these things, once I started getting in touch with who I really was, stopped working for me. No matter, like what I was interested in when I was in that business was the people and their stories. And, you know, by the end, all I cared about was getting people into rehab and eating disorder clinics and drug clinics and therapy. Wow. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I need to get out of here because yes, yes. I don't care about the movie deal or the Pantene deal. I want this girl to stop shooting heroin. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So not a very healthy environment to be around. Mm -mm. So, so can you, uh, for the, you know, there are so many people out there, Terry, as you know, who are, you know, in that process of contemplating, they're at that place where they're feeling like there's something missing. And that's where I was, uh, you know, two, uh, so many decades ago. I was right yeah. there too. I was sitting at my desk as an engineer, then a salesperson, and I kept asking myself, is this all there is? <laughs> and, you know, after yeah. a few years of asking myself that question, I finally made the transition and said, okay. Well, it's time to find out, okay, well, what else is there? And uh, I was brave enough to, to leave, and many of my yeah. friends over the years have followed. So I was kind of the first of my college friends. But mm -hmm. there are so many people out there who are at that place where they're asking themselves that question, is this all there is? Is there more? Right. Is there something more meaningful I could be doing with, with my life? But they're yes. afraid to take that next step. Can you uh, speak to how did you go, go about that transition of not just, okay, well, you, made the, the, you had the realization, but taking that next step is a completely different thing? Yeah. Well, I think the fear thing is, is really the key element here. Mm -hmm. because fear is just a feeling like 95% of the time. I mean, unless you live in an active war zone or someone actually does have a gun to your head, then it's very factual and it will help you live, right? You have yeah, your fight or yeah. flight, that will kick in. But so much of the time, this is our mafia mind or our bully mind or our mean inner mean critic mind or our child mind that is telling us it's do the safe thing, do the safe thing, or it's our parents voices in our head who, you know, they want us to be safe and to be healthy. Right. And, you know, why would you quit a perfectly good job to do something that's super unknown or whatever? <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and yet what happened for me, and I feel like this can happen for others, that when I normalized the fear through the therapeutic process, realizing that actually I was way more afraid to be left with questions or regrets mm. or living a mediocre life in my own estimation then I was failing. Like when I really looked at them, I was like, wow, having regrets when I'm 90 mm. is going to suck so much more right. than if I try this thing and it doesn't work. Like I will be okay. I'm not that fragile. And what I find with my therapy clients is that when we normalize the fear, because it's never about getting rid of fear. Right. It's always right. about integrating fear, reframing fear, yes. letting it you know, give you fuel towards your dreams instead of sort of stopping you in your tracks. Yes. As long as you're a breathing human being on planet Earth, you're going to be afraid. Exactly. So, right? What are we going to do? Are exactly. we going to say that means I shouldn't do anything or that means that I can be afraid 
and do it anyway. That book that was out in like the 70s, like yeah. feel the fear and do feel, it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. Well, there was something to that. And I think that if anyone who's listening is in this or watching is in this position in their life, I think that what helped me was looking at other examples in my own life where I figured something out that I was very afraid I couldn't figure out. Mm -hmm. And when you have all of this evidence of how resilient you actually are and how resourceful you actually are, for me, I was like, yeah, you know what? Kind of how I do everything, anything is how I do everything. And if this doesn't work, like I'll make something work. Yeah, you'll be okay. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, you'll be okay. And, and that, that's such a powerful realization because that's uh, like you, that's where I was, uh, you know, 20 plus uh, years ago. I, I finally, uh, I had the, the, the gall to quit my job and, and mm -hmm. I took a, took a month, went to Europe and I came back and I was in the Santa Monica Mountains one morning during my run and I stopped at a place called, get this, Inspiration Point. I love it, of course. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, you know, what is it you have in store for me? Am I going to look for another job or am I going to venture out on my own? And mm -hmm. uh, within the span of 30 minutes, everything became clear. And I've never collected another paycheck since. It's been uh, 20 plus uh, years. Right on. Uh, so I know there are, I, a lot of, I, yeah, there are a lot of people out there who are at the, the, the same place that we were then. And I think uh, our story is going to be so uh, powerful for them to make that leap of faith into not just, uh, I'm not saying it's going to be a completely different career, but maybe it's going to be out of uh, a job that is not serving them, a situation that is not serving them or a relationship that is not serving them mm. and having the courage to feel the fear and do it anyway, not letting yeah. fear paralyze them. So uh, there's right. something you, you, you said uh, you teach people that passionate, long-lasting love isn't just for the lucky few, but is open to everyone who's willing to rewrite their love story. Right. What, what do you mean by that? And that is such a beautiful thing to say, by mm -hmm. the way. What do you mean by that? Well, it, it's actually simply true. From being a therapist for almost 20 years, what I learned, and really, this has been my passion, um, helping other people, especially women, find real, lasting love in their life. And when I say real love, that's not to imply that other love is fake love. What I mean, because I'm a psychotherapist, is love that is a choice from a conscious place, yeah. not us like repeating um, these unfulfilling patterns because we have some unresolved childhood injury mm -hmm. that we're trying to get a do-over from, which is what a lot of people are doing, right. that when you... Um, when you look at what your downloaded love blueprint is, that's what I call it, from the family that you grew up in, from your family of origin, your folks, um, marriage, or whoever raised uh -huh, you. Uh -huh. It was a single parent home. You know, we're very influenced. And most people don't question what it is that they think about love. They feel like the way it was for their parents or whoever raised them, right. just like I did, I thought, this is the way it is. With right. quotes around it. I just thought men were people to be managed. Not people to have a heart connection with. They were a little bit like children. Um, marriage didn't look <laughs> In so good. In some great. ways, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, could be a little truth to that, but not yes. that we want to start mail bashing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you know, when you th when you uh, when you reveal 
what I teach women to do is reveal what is in that limiting blueprint, that paradigm that is in like the basement of their mind. Mm -hmm. And once we get all of that up and out, and it could be anything, and why these other dating, um, you know, calling in the one and learning the rules and all of those things that have been out there, from a psychotherapeutic point of view, I always felt like, how that doesn't work. Wherever you go, there you are with your unresolved crap so the person to work on is ourselves because uh, basically what i hear you saying is is that much of uh, much of the way we are is subconscious so we're not really aware of the patterns that we're repeating yes but you can't get liberated from an unfulfilling or a dead-end romantic pattern by like looking out and saying, right, well, right. if he had just been different, then it would be different. Mm. The only way that you you have to identify the pattern, oh, look, I always, I date people and we get to the two month mark and then we break up. Mm. Or I'm in a relationship for a year and then they cheat on me. Hmm, right. That's so weird. Why is that? There are patterns in our lives and in our relationships. And when we start to be mindful of, mm-hmm. hey, what are these patterns? Which is what I teach women in my course, The Real Love Revolution. And it's like, when you see that, you can suddenly go, oh my gosh, I've been repeating my parents' marriage right, or right. trying so hard to avoid my parents' marriage, I'm going the other way. Right. But that's important information. And the only way to change it is to know it. It's to know, to be aware. So getting getting to that, I know that awareness, self-awareness, which is one of the things I I wrote about uh, yep. as as one of the pillars to energizing mm-hmm. your life. Because yes. I said, you know, we are meant to learn, to grow, to evolve. So personal evolution is an important step in our process of energizing our lives or creating that life that you can really fall in love with. So knowing right. yourself is important. And I know that that's one of the pillars of your five pillars of the yeah, the real love revolution. The real love revolution. So can you tell us what are the, the other pillars and, and sure. how did you come up with five? Why are they five? And, and yeah. tell us more about that. Well, you know what? Part of it was that I kept seeing, I, I have the demographic that is drawn to my work is women. Mm-hmm. And they're women who are identified sort of with my my career, I think. So they're super high functioning women who do well in life, who are very dutiful, who have families and are good daughters and mothers and parents in the PTO and uh, right, you know, right. they're CEOs, they are, they're doing lots of things, but a lot of times their own self care is kind of last on their list. I know it very well. Yeah. Seen it quite a bit. Yes. And so after seeing this many times over the many years, almost two decades, I just started saying I would, I'm a, I'm a keeper of patterns mm-hmm. because I'm so intrigued by human behavior and relationships have always been the most interesting to me because maybe because of my upbringing or that my parents got divorced. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I was always amazed when people would stay together for like 40 years. I was like, what is your secret? You, you know, I, that amazes me too. <laughs> I have some clients who've been uh, married for 50 plus years and yes. I'm like, wow, I can't even contemplate that. <laughs> So awesome though, right? So anyway, what in, what inspired me to do it was just writing these down. And the truth was, I saw this, I did see that they were pillars. And in a way that could almost be called steps because self-awareness is the first one. Right. Because you can't change what you are unaware of. And awareness of how you how happy you are in life. 
awareness of how you want to feel, wow. awareness of where you're frustrated and where something needs to change, um, awareness of what you're resisting. You know it needs to change, but you're afraid to leave or whatever that is. And then we move into self-knowledge. And this is the part that makes it super customized to each individual because there is no one size fits all when it comes to love. Right. It's all about your story. Like it's all about my story, right? You are the common denominator in your life. I am the common denominator in my life. And so that decoding that self-knowledge, which is like unpacking your your love blueprint from your parents, but also your your own blueprint growing up. Did you have siblings? What was that like? Were you popular in school? Were you bullied? How were friends? Was there betrayal? All of these different experiences that really impact our level of worthiness, mm -hmm. how lovable we think we are, how valuable we think we are. Um, and then the next one is self, hold on, so what do I have? We have self-awareness, self-knowledge, and then we have um, self-acceptance mm -hmm. because you can't change anything from a place of denial. You can't change anything from that fake memory drawer. Right, first you, know you have to I'm accept what is. Yes, and, and what was. Mm -hmm. Because I find that the what was thing, people really have a desire to have to whitewash anything that was bad or they're afraid that I'm going to think that their parents are bad now or that they hate their mom now if they tell me the truth, you know? Right. So I always say, listen, if, you know, my Angelou would tell you, when you know better, you do better. And exactly. if your parents do better, they would have done better. <laughs> we're not blaming anybody. That's we're just, why we're learning and growing. That's right. And it's your life. So this isn't about us sitting, you know, sitting and blaming your folks. It's about right. getting into action mm -hmm. of what are the next right actions for you to change what isn't working in your life because you're the only one who can. And then we move into the fourth pillar, which might be the most important one, which is self-compassion. Very important. And, and missing most of the time, especially with the women in my tribe. Mm -hmm. Where they're so the perfectionist complex is extremely common. And so any slight mistake, any misstep, it's like they can't see the 98% that was awesome. Yeah. They just can't stop replaying the 2% that was bad, you know, exactly. like, and telling you about it. You're like, oh my God, that was amazing. You're like, oh yeah, in the beginning, I kind of messed up or whatever. Yeah, or yeah. you say, oh my God, I love your suit. Oh, this old thing? Oh, I bought it in the 90s. Yeah. Like not being able to just allow, receive, right. say thank you, or draw appropriate boundaries so it's the auto yes has to go. Right. So in, right? in, in other words, uh, more focusing on what's going right in your life as opposed to all the other things that may not be. Yes, but focusing on what's right about you. Mm -hmm. Focusing on, on what are your amazing attributes. You have, all of us have these unique and special gifts and talents that if you only look at where you've come up short in whatever way you think, this keeps your vibration of worthiness so low that you're destined to attract a mate who will agree with your low self-image. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they will think that you should overfunction and do more for them and have it be more about their life and what they want and you acquiescing to their desires all the time. But that comes from you. Yes. It's not like a mystery. And so part of why I created these pillars, and the last one is self-love. Uh -huh. And we do a lot of fun things right. in the last pillar, uh -huh. which is like dating yourself. So once a week, you have to go out on a date alone, dressed up. With yourself. I love it. <laughs> There's 
so many fun self-celebration things because then we do a whole self-celebration party because right. self-acceptance is like, okay, cool. But self-celebration is like, this is amazing. Like I get to be alive on planet earth in this incarnation, this time around. Thank you, God. Right. Cause you're the only you. You know, we don't do that enough. And uh, just listening to you talk, uh, say that, uh, I'm thinking to myself, I need to start doing that. <laughs> I you love do. that idea. That's, yes. that's a great idea. You well, know? you're also, what you're doing is you're raising, you're raising this vibration too, because when you treat yourself with kindness, when you rest because you're tired, when you say no to crap you don't want to do, instead of saying yes and being angry and bitter about it, or saying yes and bailing at the last minute and feeling guilty, right. that is what true self-love is. Right, Thinking right. that what you think, how you feel, what you want actually matters as much as the other people in your life and in a healthy relationship. Then we negotiate back and forth. Right, right. If it's more important to my husband that I go to the symphony that I don't feel like seeing, I will go. You know? Yeah. Well, so. That's okay. Hey, this is real life, people. This We're is, live. Go. This is real life. We're live and the phone is ringing and uh, that's okay. It's going to stop ringing in a second. That's and, right. We don't care. Keep and going. I'll just uh, edit this part out. So, <laughs> oh my God, I'm I'm so lazy, dude. When I'm sitting in the East Village and there's like a siren, I'm like, hey, people, we're in New York. Just we're in ignore New York. it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. This is real life mm -hmm. and we're having a conversation. And uh, so, so, Terry, I, I, I want to ask you next for, there's so many people out there who in, let's say, a couple in a relationship. I'm married and I'm in a great relationship, but I know mm -hmm. there are a lot of people in the, in relationships who aren't really happy or satisfied. And part of, yeah. you know, I talk about energize your life, energize your relationship. You can't energize your relationship if you're sitting in a situation that just doesn't serve you anymore, that you're asking yourself, is this all there is? Or is this right. the way I'm supposed to feel? Or or maybe there, maybe that person is in a situation where they know they're in an unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship, but they just don't know what to do, how to leave, or how to make it better? What, uh, what can they do? Well, part of it is realize that it's, it's really on them, you know, to figure out why they're unhappy, what is it that's going on. And, you know, the way Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world, I say, be the change you want to see in your relationship. Yeah. So if you want more love, be more loving. If you want more adventure, be more adventurous. Invite your spouse to do something interesting, fun, sexy, have sex somewhere new, do something different, go on an actual date. Um, notice them. Give each other hand massages or feet massages or body massages. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be sexual. I mean, of course it can be, but do something different because that's the only way you get a different result. Right. And really look at what are you playing out that was a modeled behavior for you because I promise you, if you haven't had a lot of therapy, you are playing out a limiting downloaded love blueprint, right. and you're both playing something mm -hmm. out. And if you can get that um, blueprint up and really take a look at it, you could consciously choose to do something different. Yeah. To bring more play into relation in, into the relationship, do uh, do new things, new exciting. What one of the uh, uh, Incidentally, in writing my book, Energize Your Life, one of the, the, yeah. the pieces of information I came across, one of the research I came across was 
couples who play together tend to stay together because they have yeah. more fun in their relationship and they get to they get to focus more on the things that are right in their relationships and the things that are going well as as opposed to those who don't tend to have so much more of the little nick nagging kind of things in Yep. Because part of the thing is that when you play together, when you actually can laugh and be silly and have fun, all of those experiences are building up this thing we call goodwill. Mm. And so as you build up the goodwill through those experiences, when the crap hits the fan, and it will, because this is called life, there's more um, flexibility, patience, kindness, Because it's much easier to remember that you really deeply love this person, but you also deeply like this person if you're having fun together. And that's an important important distinction, the love versus the like. To really like someone, this is my friend, this is my bud. You know, this is not just someone, um, uh, you know, in a romantic relationship with, but we're actually friends. I like this person. Yep. It's major. But part of that is doing things together and changing your mind about what that looks like. It's like, um, you know, people feel like when you're in a relationship and you're bickering back and forth, as you were saying, where there doesn't feel like there's a lot of kindness or generosity, it all seems to be like, well, what about me? Or what about me? What about me? When you are being able to view your relationship as a joint thing, like I see my my marriage, which is also a very healthy marriage that I work very hard to keep healthy, where I think of everything in my life, how will this impact my union, my connection yes. to my husband? And then we talk about those things, but I'm, oh, he's in the front of my mind. This is 20 years later, all the time, mm-hmm. because my marriage is the most important thing in my life. Without a doubt. I mean, I love my family. I love my kids. I love, but but Vic is my top priority in us mm-hmm. being healthy and happy because the, everything else in my life and all of my joy flows from that. Right, right. And, you know what I mean? I have other Ex- areas of joy. But. Exactly. Absolutely. So I, I, I know there are, you know, I'm married with kids. Uh, lovely. We, we have a great relationship. But uh, mm-hmm. kids do put a lot of pressure on uh, on, yes, on the relationship. Do. for So for Couples out there like me, uh, mm. who are married with young kids, and and there's a lot of stressors, <laughs> you know, when you have yep. young kids yep. in, in the house. Uh, yep. So sometimes the relationship kind of take, uh, you know, a back seat or or the back burner uh, a lot more than it really should. Uh, mm-hmm. What what advice can you give to people like us? <laughs> Well, listen, this is actually, I wouldn't put the shit in there because the reality is that this is a phase of life. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of the life cycles is right. when you are parenting younger children well, where priorities and the needs of those kids come above. And there are really easy ways to stay connected. I'll give you a couple of ideas, but know that this is only for a moment in right. time. And then you, there will be the other transition that you guys hopefully will transition back yeah. to as Vic and I did. It being just us being empty nested and being like, this is amazing and loving raising kids, but also being super psyched to be the, you know, the the band gets back together. The original band Mm -hmm. is what it feels like when your kids grow up. Exactly. So easy ways to stay connected. Honestly, really try, if you can try to go to bed together, 
just try it. Try to pick the time one time a week, even if it's just one meal, even if it's just 20 minutes, mm-hmm. where I have my clients do what's called the state of the union, where we just check in, like, how you doing? We're taking the temperature of the relationship, mm-hmm. but also it's a place to safely air a grievance, right. where each person agrees that if you've got something to say, now's the time to say it. Not while it's harried with the kids, not while I'm trying to get them in the car. Wait, wait until our state of the union Right. And then we'll talk about it, but it's also a perfect time to say, I really appreciate you stepping up. Thank you for making the bed. Thank you for all the things that you have done, you know? Right, right. So I love that. I love that idea. I'm going to uh, implement that idea, Jerry. So thank, thank, thank you for that piece of uh, couples uh, therapy. <laughs> sure, no I'm problem. I'm going to put that into play. You know, just uh, in the past, just yesterday, my, my wife said to me, you, you, you're you've been crabby for the past couple of days. And she sent me a text this morning and said, well, I think you need to do something to take care of yourself because, you know, you've been crabby for the past couple of days. I know you're, maybe you're working a little too hard. And I thought yep. to myself, wow, what a beautiful way of putting yeah. it. What a beautiful, uh, you know, gentle, compassionate way yes. of just, uh, and, and I asked her to call me on, on these things. Oh, yeah. and she's not right. afraid, that's and true. that's a beautiful way to do it. So uh, now what about the single person, Terry, for those who aren't, uh, you know, in a relationship for those who have been in relationships or maybe uh, feel like they keep, uh, you know, repeating the same, yeah. uh, dating the same person, guy or girl over and over again, or yeah. may have uh, sworn off being in a relationship because they're afraid of getting hurt again. Uh, right. What can they do to energize, uh, you know, maybe their relationship with themselves so that they, they feel uh, ready and to accept whatever shows up. Right. It's more about self-knowledge is what I think, because I find that with the single women that I've helped become partnered, which are many, 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 many at this point, it's about understanding what has been um, charging and informing their dating patterns and their attachment styles. Right. So when you get that, and and this is not, you know, listen, yes, I'm a psychotherapist and the course that I teach is therapeutically based. It's obviously not therapy because it's online. (laughs) So people can do it from all over the world. But this this is not, it's not super complicated stuff. You you start thinking about what is your attachment style? Could be secure, could be anxious, could be avoidant. And once you know that and you read the description and you can immediately say, "Uh, yep, that's definitely me. (laughs) And then then you start to see patterns of why it is that if you're an avoidant, if you're avoidantly attached, Mm -hmm. why it is that you really crave intimacy, but then when you get it, you feel smothered. And then there are things that you can do to change that experience. But again, we're bringing it from the basement, your unconscious mind, into the main part of the house. It has to be unpacked and cleaned up. So that would be my advice. Uh, Anything else you'd love to share with uh, our audience out there, Terry? Mm. Well, I want to first say thank you. For having me on because it's always a pleasure to be with you. Um, I want to tell them that no matter where you are in your love life, don't give up hope because it's not magic. It's psychology. I love that. It's not magic. It's psychology. And uh, with that, yes, a beautiful way to end. All right. I'm afraid that's all the time we've got for this episode of Energize Your Life. That was my interview with Terry Cole, the creator of the Real Love Revolution program. 
I'll have a link to her website and her program at my blog, drdellmillers.com. So feel free to check it out and learn more about how to energize your relationships. Remember, an energized relationship is an important part of an energized life. You'll also find lots of free resources at at my blog to uh, help you with your body, your health, your fitness, uh, your work, and just living an energized life or a life you can fall in love with. I'm Dr. Del Millers. Take care. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Energize Your Life podcast with Dr. Del Millers. Don't forget to visit Dr. Dell's website at drdellmillers.com for more amazing resources to help you energize your life. We'll catch you next time.